0: Hello and welcome back to the From Page to Picture podcast where we take you page by page and scene by scene through the movie adaptations of all your favourite books. We are your hosts Lucy and George and this is episode 4 where we will be talking about Emma by Jane Austen.
1: Emma follows an 1800s tale of high society and love around the titular character, Emma Woodhouse, as she not only navigates her own relationships but those of the people around her. Being handsome, clever and rich, she's adored by many just how much can she get away with?
0: Emma is a comedy of manners written by Jane Austen and at the time of publication it was often described as revolutionary and radical in style for Austen's bold and courageous depiction of the eponymous leading protagonist. Emma was also Austen's last novel to be published during her lifetime. The book has been widely adapted for both TV and film with the first being 1996 starring Gwyneth Paltrow as Emma a also released its own TV movie adaptation around the same time, starring Kate Beckinsale. The most recent adaptation, however, and the one we will be discussing in this episode, is the 2020 version starring Anya Taylor-Joy, best known for The Witch and The Queen's Gambit in the leading role as Emma. The film also stars the fantastic Johnny Flynn, Josh O'Connor, Bill Nye and Miranda Hart with a directorial debut by Autumn DeWilde and written by Eleanor Catton, Emma earned $26 million at the box office. The film has received two Oscar nominations for Best Costume Design and Best Makeup and Hairstyling, and has just recently been nominated for Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture at the Golden Globe and Best Costume Design at the BAFTA Awards, nominations well-deserved in my opinion. I absolutely adore Jane Austen's novel and I love the film, but I'm aware the genre of both book and film caters to a very specific audience. So I'm curious, George, what are your initial thoughts about book and film?
1: Emma is my first experience with a Jane Austen book or film for that matter. So going in, I was a bit anxious when you first said you wanted to cover Emma. All I'd heard is that the writing was quite difficult to get into and the plot wasn't really much of a plot. And... I kind of still agree with those points but it does still have something about it which I I understand why people like it so much.
0: Yeah Emma was the first book I read like way back before A-Levels where I was like this is why I want to study literature. I think just because of how complex it is in terms of character and like dialogue but I think what you said about how there's not really a plot is really interesting because it is just Emma creating these like married matchmaking for all her friends and it all going wrong and then just ending up married at the end and there's no really like exposition and like climax and resolution like that you'd expect from like a book or a film.
1: And I think that actually works quite well for the book is what it is because I felt the whole not having an overarching plot made it feel a bit more realistic and more like real life because we don't really have like a big climax we just kind of mimble about and do normal things which don't really seem that significant but is still a part of our lives and then for most people it's just you meet someone and that's that and I feel like Emma really captures that quite well and how the mundanity of love in a way
0: yeah I think like wh- I think one of the main criticisms people have about the book is that it spends a lot of time on that mundanity. Like there's a whole section where they spend time complaining about um, Frank's haircut, and like the bit where the whole piano incident, and it's it's so menial, and it's but at the same time, it all all the small things add up to the big significant things, and I think it's more than just a woman making matchmaking it's about character development and women and characters not just women also the men coming to be who they are through relationships
1: hmm. I think especially when this book was first published it certainly contrasts with the audience we have now where we have things like Netflix uh, video games and we have take taking lots of content with lots of different stories and stuff so having a book like this still around is probably quite jarring for a lot of people it was jarring for me because I was expecting some story or something but it was it's quite slow paced and
0: I think the language there is important as well in that the 19th century language that Austin writes in is very different to the modern day language that we've looked with like Donna tart and like um in Ready Player One it's it's much more like fancy and that like I remember you saying to me that everything that the characters say is so important because it's this battle of wits between one character and another, especially in Emma and Knightley. And for that, it becomes less about plot and more about what Austen's actually putting into each line that she writes.
1: Mm, That was probably one of the things I found hardest about the book. It was trying to kind of switch my brain into Jane Austen mode. And by the end of the book, I was kind of in that brain set and I was kind of worried going on to my next read. If I'll be able to turn back to normal books, and <laughs> it was, uh, it's interesting because, like you said, it is like a battle of wits. But I kind of felt it was kind of like a like a dance routine between the two people conversing, be it them Knightley and Emma or Harriet and Emma, and it's just how everyone in this society is growing up in a way where they've been taught how to act. And how to move and if you step one way the other person has to step the other way even if they don't really want to?
0: Yeah I think propriety is so important during the 19th century not just in like what people spoke and the language they used, but also in the action and I think when you look at the film adaptation of that it's not as important in that we get these much more explicit kiss scenes between the characters that you don't get in the book. And we get this like this this nudity in that one of the first scenes that we have is Knightley getting dressed and he's like naked from behind and then Emma herself lifts her skirt up to, like, to the fire. And that wasn't there in the book because during the 19th century, Austin to write that would have, it would have shocked audiences so much. So I think that the film very much plays up to more of a modern audience.
1: Yeah, I I really did find that while I was watching the film. It felt a lot more sexualizing of the characters, especially Emma. And I guess that is in part to do, is that with it being so different a tale than from past audiences to modern audiences, they have to kind of, I guess, in a kind of crude way, keep the audience engaged, be it via butts.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's the best way to do it. But also I think I... Like it's still kind of there in the book in that Emma's this she embodies this woman who's not just going to find love well not going to find a match based on marriage and money and like circumstance she wants love and even then she says I don't want to marry because she wants to stay with her dad and I think even in this century where women like they're expected to marry and they're expected to be lower than the men Austin still try and puts that radical modern side to it in that strong character that does what she does for herself and like she does it for her own agency
1: when i first started reading the book and uh, emma portrayed her, herself as not really wanting a relationship and just starting to stay with her dad i was obviously i knew it wouldn't happen due to the time in which this book was written i was quite hoping for maybe some embracing of the lgbtq plus with uh, a- asexuality from emma or perhaps just not interested in guys or something.
0: I think even there's even like a suggestion that she could have been with Harriet. Like there was this undertone of something much more there, even though she was trying to get Harriet to like be with what's it called Miss Elton. There's still kind of this like sexual, not so much sexual, but romantic attachment between them. But obviously, at the time, anything LGBTQ plus surrounding was. Like, unspeakable so I guess it wasn't acceptable
1: Yeah there definitely were undertones there even if it wasn't uh, sexual in nature it, it, you could definitely tell there was chemistry between them either as friends or something more which obviously at the time Austin couldn't elaborate on
0: Yeah speaking of chemistry I think the film does a really good job of building the chemistry between Emma and Knightley much more than austin gives space to in the book in that we get the we have the back and forth dialogue in the book but i think it's much more centralized in the film
1: yeah i tend to agree i think perhaps due to the shorter runtime of the film it's a lot more condensed the stuff we get of nightly and in in the book there's like entire chapters where nightly isn't really the center it's someone like uh I'm I'm terrible of names in this book. Uh, (laughs) The haircut guy. Frank. Kind of like with Frank being the main focus of Emma's affections for a time and Mr Elton being Harriet. It's like she's focusing on other people's relationships and kind of has Knightley on the back burner in a way.
0: Yeah, I definitely found myself wanting more Knightley in the book. And I don't think you realise that until the end when he becomes more central. But I think what, what the film does... Is it kind of turns knightly more of a character and that we see him at one point like so overwhelmed by his desire for emma that he literally throws himself on the floor of his estate and he's like and he tears up at the wedding at the end and it's this vulnerability and emotional awareness attached to this masculine figure that wasn't really acceptable during the 19th century but also isn't given space to because of mr elton and frank and these other characters take
1: central in the book. Hmm. I think the one downside to having Knightley take a more prominent role in the story in the film is that the kind of twist with Frank and Jane. Yeah. They, with, it turns out that they were interloping the entire time, kind of loses its edge a bit because we don't spend as much time with Frank and the whole twist came quite suddenly, after not too much development of the character of Frank.
0: Yeah, I felt that. I think Frank isn't given as much space in the film. I did, as much as I hate Frank as a character in the book, it's that development that makes that twist so shocking when it actually comes. And I I do think, though, that Emma in the book, seems to not really care, and I, I like not really be that much impacted by it, but I thought, Anya Taylor-Joy's representation of Emma finding out was much more emotional, like the camera and the work is done, she steps back and she's almost shocked by it, and I thought that was quite interesting.
1: Personally, I preferred the book's Emma reaction because I felt she came across a bit more annoyed than anything, like, how did I not see this? I've been doing this this entire time and it was for nothing. And then when when she realised, oh, Harriet is going to be in a state again, I'm even more annoyed because I messed up again and I'm Emma and I never mess up.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's nice to see her mess up. I think like in terms of Emma reacting to stuff, I really liked how the film made her react to Knightley's confession that he loves her and that there was a certain like bashfulness to her and she, like, she didn't really know how to react and then she has the nosebleed. Um, and it's just really interesting how she she's kind of taken aback by it, whereas in the book it's a bit like, oh, okay, I can't marry you and I won't marry you, but okay, there's no kind of emotion there in the book.
1: Side note, I've, I never realized this, but I think it's really cool that Anya Taylor-Joy actually had a nosebleed on set. Yeah, I think mean, that's so I, cool. I don't know what kind of witchcraft is on there, but Robert Eggers was still involved, I
0: guess. <laughs> I um, read an interview where DeWald said that um, she wanted Emma to have the nosebleed, um, so that it was planned. But then she did it because she wanted Emma to look like a hot mess, which was like more modern. But then Anya Taylor-Joy just happened to have a nosebleed at that exact time. is just the power of her.
1: The power of Anya Taylor-Joy.
0: I worship her. Don't we
1: all? <laughs> yeah. The reaction that Emma has is a lot more realistic and it definitely coincides a lot more with the audience opinions because we've been kind of stressed this entire time like oh my god that they're dating this person this person's dating that person and it finally comes to a head in the form of Emma just venting at nightly
0: it's so cool and it's like in the field as well and it's like they're showering at each other it's such so a mic but it it's typical of like period dramas
1: hmm shouting in fields
0: yes <laughs> Um, I think what the film does really well um, adapting the book is that all the essential aspects are there, and that we've got this confession of love, um, both in the field, but also in the carriage when um, Frank confess not Frank, Mister Elton confesses to Emma, and then we've got the piano, and we've got like the tense Box Hill picnic, and I don't think there's really anything major that the film misses in adapting the book.
1: She did a really good job of one knowing the source material and being able to trim it in a way in which it was a more bite sized uh, easy to consume film for modern audiences but also keep the core aspects of austin's original novel by getting getting rid of the m- most of the mundane things which didn't really do much or would they would have realized probably would have missed a lot of audiences and so like emma breaking her shoelace that entire scene was a bit of a waste of time <laughs> and it was smart that the film decides to let go of that
0: yeah but then it's sometimes it it puts things in like she put things in there that weren't in the book like we get a lot of scenes of um Mr. Woodhouse and um, Mr. Knightley reading together by the fire. And it's like, it's so wholesome and it's so cute that it's those tiny shots that you're like, that make you invested in the characters.
1: And uh, I really like how they kind of gave Mr. Knightley his own little sub story of fighting the draft of like, and then he just, in one scene, just walked past him and he's just surrounded by those cover things trying to keep warm. And it one shows his own. Fragility in a way, but also shows why he's so lovable and quirky.
0: Yeah, he's literally like the epitome of a hypochondriac, convinced that everyone he's gone meet is like at risk of catching a cold. And I found it really funny when he like started to rearrange the furniture at the end to protect himself and it allowed Emma and Mr. Knightley like that protection like away from him to kiss. It was it's the like the little things that are just quite humorous.
1: I love the scene where uh, they're at the dinner, and Mr. Elton says, "Oh, it looks like it's going to snow," and Mr. Woodhouse absolutely loses his mind, and it's just <laughs> great. And everyone's just running around screaming.
0: <laughs> it's so witty, and I don't think that's that's what I love about the film, and that it really gets across the comedy side of Austen's writing, in that everything that like all of the dialogue is fun and like sparkles with this humour that where you just it's just wholesome when you're watching it.
1: That's been part of the reasons why I'm a bit more anxious about when we get to uncover books like uh, Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility because I assume they're more serious and the thing I most enjoyed about Emma was the more lighthearted times rather than the more serious emotional stuff.
0: Yeah I think Emma does a good job of getting a balance between this like satire, humour and the romance whereas Mm. Um, Pride and Prejudice is much more focused on like, intimate and serious scenes and doesn't really have that absurdity that um, comes across in characters like Mr Elton and um, Mr Woodhouse.
1: Mr Elton is on something in this film. It's, it's amazing. Just the massive smile, the Harry Hill collar. It's just...
0: It's, it's so crazy. funny. He um, I like it at the beginning when he um, mispronounces innocence. And it's just, you just know that he's just going to be an absolute mental nutcase for the whole film.
1: It's not like he comes across as a complete, like, conniving evil person initially. He just comes across as a bit of an idiot. And I think it's, he's kind of endearing in that way. And he can kind of tell why Emma tried to partner Elton and Harriet up in that regard.
0: Yeah, I think, the, I, I, think I prefer the film version of Mr. Mm-hmm. Elton more than the book version especially like in the book there's one scene where it's all just about the letters that he sent to harriet but obviously were meant for emma and it makes him come across quite like pompous whereas i feel like that that that's still there in the film but in a more like light hearted way
1: mm, he comes across quite sour and cold and grumpy that like, he doesn't get his own way in the film i um, mean in the book sorry and in the also that but when he marries uh he kind of comes across kind of up himself like, yeah, I just married this person I met six weeks ago. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> whereas in the film he's just he get he's he he's definitely got like bottom energy and is, <laughs> he's just he's just he kind of just seems happy to be there for the rest of the film,
0: yeah, speaking of um Mrs. Elton, I absolutely hated her in the book, like she all she could speak about was like. Oh, if you've not been to Bath, like you really should go to Bath. But in the film, she's much more like she's still annoying, but I think she's much more endearing as well.
1: She kind of seems she seems like a perfect like antithesis to Emma in a way. Like they they're two sides of the same coin. And when they first meet each other in the church, and uh, Mrs Elton is sat in the front row, and then kind of turns and gives like a little shrug to Emma. You can just tell like Emma has competition now.
0: Yeah, I think competition is so important for Emma because not just with like Mrs. Elton, but also with Jane, in that um Jane comes to this town that Emma's lived in her whole life, and then Jane can suddenly sing better than her and play the piano better than her and can do her hair better than her. And it's it's like, oh, I'm I'm not the, the girl that everyone's looking at anymore. I've got someone who's better than me.
1: Mm, and I think That's the basis of Mr. Knightley's initial argument with Emma and how Emma has no one to keep her in check and the friendship with Harriet is going to be negative for both of them and that it's just going to fuel Emma's ego. And I think the inclusion of Jane and Mrs. Elton really helps humanise her a bit and makes her become aware of the people she's hurting around her. Kind of like with, is it Miss Bates? Yeah. Played by Miranda Hart. When uh, Emma insults her and then you realise that Mrs Elton is the one in the right in this situation, it really makes Emma go into her own perspective and especially when scolded by Mr Knightley, you kind of realise how how badly she messed up.
0: Yeah, I think that's why Mr Knightley is such a good match for Emma in that we see Frank bring out the bad side of Emma and... To kind of make her into this horrible person but Mr Knightley gives the perspective and it's almost like this equal relationship where he can he, he allows her to develop as a woman and as a friend towards those in the town it's it's really in like really nice to see across both the book and the film this really developed change in Emma as she grows as a person
1: just going back to the analogy of the conversations being like dances, it's like Mr Knightley is the only one able to keep up with Emma's rhythm.
0: Yeah, I like that. Speaking of dances, I actually really loved the dance scene between Emma and Knightley, possibly my favourite scene in the film, um, purely because there's so much spark and chemistry there and you can really see them actually realise their feelings for one another and like hold with like the... Clever, like sound, in that you can hear the dresses as they touch each other as they move. And it's so interesting that this wasn't really a big part of the book. They kind of pass over these really intimate moments between Emma and Knightley.
1: I think that scene was amazing, and I think it's a perfect example of how powerful an adaptation can be because he, as much as you'll be pained to hear probably being an English literature student it feels like a lot of modern audiences are steering away from books and multiple screens with tv shows and films and so being able to present a way in which people can still get the same emotions is really important so including the sounds and the books and the choreographed dancers which you can't include in a book unless it's in your own mind but on the screen it's actual professional choreographers doing it and I think it kind of shows that they've perfectly adapted and perfected Austin's work in some regards.
0: Yeah 100% I think the the chemistry is there in the book and it's so important that you use the choreography and the sound to get that across in the film and I think the wild does a really good job of that especially in that I don't know if you noticed but both Emma and Knightley don't have gloves on and everyone else does and they actually touch barehanded. handed and but like that was so much more intimate than in the book and I think that makes you more makes you you love the chemistry in their characters more but also go back to the book and think yeah this she's took out this subtle intimacy and made it into something viewers can really get invested in
1: mm. The uh, world really did a good job of taking key concepts and ideas in the book and like kind of expanding them into a film, which people would understand a lot clearer without having to think about. Because when you're reading a book, you can kind of read at your own pace, like read one bit, maybe reread a page and try and think, "Oh, yeah, perhaps that's what uh, austin means." Whereas when you're watching a film, it's two hours long. You've got to keep up with the plot. You've got to kind and keep up with what's going. So if you make it as clear as possible to people without leading them along like a little kid it really helps the audience understand what's going on
0: yeah but at the same time and um, also leaves like in terms of dialogue she she literally takes the dialogue from the book and puts it straight into the mouths of the actors and um, it's like like near untouched and i think that's that's really important because sentences in austin's work like One that comes to mind is when Mr. Knightley says, if I loved you less, I might be able to talk about it more. And that's that's such a big line in Austen's work. And DeWild just takes that straight from the book and puts it in her film. And I think that's so important because it shows that loyalty to its source material, but with its own flair of DeWild's own energy.
1: Mm, Yeah, because while DeWild's definitely made this into her own film in a way. It kind of has almost Wes Anderson vibes and is just its own film. She really does care for the book and it's clear and she realised when she's writing the screenplay or whatever that why would I try and change this word into my own word when the author has already written it so beautifully and so perfectly.
0: Yeah, it's big um, Greta Gerwig vibes as well with um, the recent adaptation of Little Women that's Mm. still got that modern take on it that DeWalt brings to Emma but at the same time retains... The integrity of the characters and the dialogue and the costume and the setting
1: a thing i really enjoyed in the film which i think kind of got laid to the side in the book a bit was harriet's final love interest i forget his name
0: oh um mr martin the farmer yeah
1: and in the book kind of appears at the start is the initial love interest of harriet and then it kind of feels like he's kind of shoehorned in at the end, be like, "Oh, Jane Austen kind of wrote herself into a corner." Is like, okay, so I paired everyone up except Harriet, who have been trying to pair her up this entire time. How about I just put her with the first person I put her with last time? <laughs> and it kind of feels a bit uh, like a last-minute thing. Whereas in the film, it is a, it's the exact same story, but I think with it being the two-hour runtime, it doesn't feel like it was that. Is still a lingering thought in a lot of the audience's mind?
0: Yeah, I think like the, we still return to Martin in the book in that Harriet freaks out whenever she sees him purely because she rejected him and she feels bad. But I think this that that focus in the film when she runs up to him and Emma's stood there like rolling her eyes makes you realise he's much more of a presence. And then I think the quickness in that we meet Mr. Elton and then he proposes to Emma, and then the quickness in that Frank comes in, and the less focus on Harriet wanting to be with Knightley makes you realise that Martin's more of a match. I think like what's really interesting about Martin and Harriet for me was the issue of class. In that in the film, Emma actually says to Knightley, "I need to go and see Martin to get him to propose to Harriet again," and it's kind of mortifying for her. Like you can see in the way that Anya Taylor-Joy like reflects on her face the shame of it because it's like she has to as an upper class woman go down to this like lower class man that she's denounced and say look I'm sorry and she takes like a basket of um, food to him whereas in the book um, Harriet goes to London for like a long stretch of time and then it's just known to Emma by from Mr Knightley that they're engaged again. There's no acknowledging the shame of the class issue.
1: Mm, I feel in the book, Emma never really has to take the brunt of her own faults, apart from maybe the Mrs Bates situation. But other than that, it kind of just feels like everyone's resolving a situation in a way that Emma doesn't have to apologise because Emma's perfect and didn't really do anything wrong. And I feel yeah. like the... You may disagree with this, but I think throughout most of the book and film, Emma is a bit of a douchebag, <laughs> is quite up herself and just making everyone do everything for And And I think having her be the one to go and talk to Mr. Martin and apologise is a really important thing for her to do and really humanises her by the end. And I think that in combination with the apology to Mrs. Bates be as indirect as it was, because they never actually directly apologise. it was more just have some fruit. And I think the whole thing with Jane and Mrs Elton, it kind of all those factors help bring Emma down a few pegs and make her a lot more digestible in the film than in the book.
0: Yeah, I definitely think in the film there's this focus on Emma having to confront her prejudices and and her problems. And I do agree in that emma is very very spoiled and she she comes across as having this major like smug superiority but in a way i kind of like that because it's although it's, she's really mean to miss bates and at times she's really like horrible to harriet and the way that she treats her as kind of this pet that she can pawn off on all these men it's kind of she kind of avoids these societal pressures of being this, feeble passive woman and takes this superiority to show her power and I think I can the film does a really good job of kind of striking a balance between that but also the kind-heartedness that she feels for her father and that she she's constantly looking after him she doesn't she doesn't want to leave the house because she she wants to look after him and I think there's this good this is good like balance between this inherently likable character but also this really Spoilt and proud woman
1: i do kind of think that the way she's so kind to her father and then so self-absorbed around other people in a way kind of is emma's own way of venting being unable to leave her father in some regard obviously she loves mr woodhouse her father but she does want her own life in it some way and i guess her being self-obsessed with her own life and the lives of those around her is her way of scratching that itch, in a way.
0: Yeah, I think it comes across in the book when she says to him, can I go to this ball that they're organising um, at the venue? I can't remember what it's called. And he says to her, like, do you have to? And she's like, "She's like, well, you don't have to wait up for me, and you, I'll be OK, and all that kind of thing. She's Although she cares for him, she still wants that level of independence and agency, and she gets that by becoming kind of a patriarchal, father-like figure to Harriet.
1: Hmm. And I think that kind of shows the commitment of Mr. Knightley really well because he's willing to give up his entire estate for this one woman and he would have to then be under the patriarchy of Mr. Woodhouse. As kind and warm and welcome, he's definitely very warm, (laughs) of Mr. Woodhouse. He is still quite a paranoid fellow and he would make life harder than it would be at mr knightley's house
0: yeah he had he it's this obligation that he has to give up his entire estate and for a man a a bachelor man to do that for a woman is a lot of commitment because obviously it's usually the other way around where the woman gives up her commitments but instead it's him and i think that just shows the testament of mr knightley as a character
1: speaking on mr knightley's estate would you like to hear a fun fact oh yes not only is uh, Wilton House, which is used for Mr Knightley's estate, as it is also being used as In the Crown, Bridgerton, Pride and Prejudice, and Sense and Sensibility.
0: Oh my god, that's pretty cool. Got a trend of all the Austen adaptations there and the new Bridgerton.
1: Exactly, it's definitely a popular lo- locale in that location.
0: We don't really see much of it in the film like other than when he's literally laid on the floor and like getting dressed and stuff it's not that central
1: a lot of things are kind of covered in tarps and in it's kind of in stasis in a way
0: yeah which is kind of like Knightley himself he's in stasis as a bachelor waiting for Emma to say yes
1: to pull off the tarp I
0: think what I really liked about the film is that so like Austin has a lot of characters and I think you can testify to the fact that it gets a bit complicated at times trying to keep track of them all and like we, we open with the wedding It actually they use the wedding at the beginning to introduce all of the main characters whether it be the Martins and the Bateses and the Eltons. and I think that's a really good way of kind of remembering who everyone is whereas in the book you kind of flip flock back and forth between all of the characters you, who then try and like change names through marriages that like, you can lose track.
1: This was one of the things that I really struggled with in the book. There was just there's so many different faces, names, people get referred to by the first name in one time second name in the other time they get married and change their entire name and that's just confusing <laughs> and I think it really helped in the film being able to put faces to names and understanding who was who. Like the governess. I had no idea until I watched the film that she was the technically the stepmother of Frank now because she was the person who got married. Yeah. I had no idea who this Miss Weston was. I was like, <laughs> okay, I just assume you're somebody. But by watching the film and then looking in retrospect at the book, I had a much greater understanding of who was who. But I feel when I, was first told my mum I was going to read Jane Austen book, she was like, make sure to bring a map of all the characters. And I wish on that because there's just so many people everywhere and it's, you have to keep your wits on you if you're going to read a Jane Austen book at night.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you, you messaged me. I was like, oh, I've fallen asleep (laughs) just from reading it. It's not a, it's not a book you can read at night. But also like, um, the, I think the worst one is John Knightley and then Mr. Knightley in the, John marries Isabella, who is the dot, da- who is Emma's dot, da- like Emma's sister, Mister Woodhouse's other daughter, and then Mister Knightley is John Knightley's brother. But technically, Emma and Mister Knightley are not related, and it doesn't ever explain it. And you're like, wait a sec, like Mister John Knightley's got kids, and you you're just so confused when you first read it.
1: It especially makes it more confusing when they don't reveal Knightley's actual first name to be George until the by the end of the book and I'm like I could have told me that earlier when I was trying to figure out who the hell John Knightley was and why he's kissing Emma's sister
0: <laughs> and you're like who's George <sighs>
1: that's me
0: <laughs> that's you
1: the costume design in the film is absolutely amazing and it's no wonder it's been nominated for an academy award like All of Annie Taylor-Joy's dresses and like hairstyles and stuff are so cool. And I think they perfectly show who Emma is. Like she's a master of what she does. She's a high society whiz with all of her knowing exactly what to wear, what to perfectly complement the weather, the seasons and everything. My one complaint is that all the guys look like Harry Hill. (laughs) I had the high collars and all that thing. It was really jarring and I, my, my ears got a bit uncomfortable because I could kind of feel their cuffs like scraping against my ears. Like <laughs> bit my ear, it was just not good.
0: I, I don't really particularly find any of the guys attractive um, especially like Mr Knightley which was kind of hard trying to root for them when Mr Knightley wasn't really someone you could root behind yourself but um, I do agree in that the dresses are so like it's this Georgian era that comes across in the costume design and I love how like when Emma's feeling particularly bold she'll wear a white like a yellow dress with like a yellow eccentric hat and then when she's so vulnerable after Mr Knightley um, confesses to her she's in this white gown and she's like her hair's a mess and she's like out of breath and it's it's this costume reflecting the attitude of the character
1: Yeah, the the color palettes and the costumes really work well, the themes being displayed. And I feel everyone is dressed in a specific way in every specific scene. Like, it's not like, eh, throw this dress we found in a cupboard on and we'll go from there. Everyone has their specific thing, which adds a specific element to each scene, more than, at some point, even more than the words being said. Them not wearing gloves during the dance—that's a, a an excellent example of that.
0: Yeah, I do think one of the best bits about the film is just how aesthetically pleasing it all is. Like, it's all very clean and pretty to look at. Like, colours of the dresses, the colours of the set, and um, and we get so much like detail. Like, like I said, we get zoom-ins on the books and Emma's paintings, but we also get zoom-ins on the patterns on her gloves and the detail of it all is so like you can tell that so much thought and energy has been put into the set and the costume design.
1: I was going to save my other fact till the end, but I feel what we're talking about now really works with what my other fact was, so would you like to hear my other fact?
0: Yes, shoot it at me.
1: One of the first filming locations that had to be established was Hartfield, the home of Mr Woodhouse and his daughter Emma, since they would need to be colour coordinated with costumes, According to the production designer, Cav- Cave Quinn, the challenge was twofold. First, the location had to be one that hadn't been used extensively in film before, and they needed to have some latitude with redecorating, which is not allowed in National Trust stately homes. The answer came when they found Viral Place, which had all the Jordan elements they needed and was open to redecorating to accommodate the colour scheme. So they literally decorated the house to match the costumes.
0: That is, that is commitment. That is so cool. I, like
1: I think. Yeah, just... I
0: would have loved to be on set that day that they were decorating and like kind of recreating this Georgian era set within this house. It would have been really pleasing to watch.
1: And I feel like for costume designers, it must have been a really interesting experience because you're not just designing a costume; you're pretty much designing a house at the same time. Yeah, you're you're, you're designing a society in a way
0: sims but for emma
1: we all know you like to control wanny taylor joy
0: (laughs) don't expose me like that (laughs) (laughs) she's amazing i think uh, speaking of like terms of like set design costume the soundtrack was also one of my favorite things about emma like i'm a big fan of period drama soundtracks in general like Bridgerton that we just mentioned that soundtrack's like amazing mixing like the classical with the pop but the I think the soundtrack of Emma it hits right when it needs like when there's a tense scene it starts to pick up and get tenser and then when it's much more like fluffy it's more easy to listen to I don't know I just really like the soundtrack.
1: I love the soundtrack so much in past with films I haven't really been too bothered about soundtracks but I feel like as I'm progressing I'm getting more and more into soundtracks and this has been one which really stuck out to me and I really enjoyed and I felt like you said the more high beat and low beat moments had like the perfect things which kind of created this overall happy tone it was nice I so I, I was kind of just bopping along as I watched.
0: I definitely recommend listening to it while you study I've had it on repeat for like three weeks and it's it's just really good is there anything you wish that wasn't in the film that was in the book
1: uh i i feel it could have probably done without the nudity in a way i feel like it didn't really add anything and it didn't it all or, or they could have shown them just getting changed or getting dressed and shown them in dis like i need a joy in like a disarray of the messy hair and the the white dress on, without having to show to as sexualize the characters as much to appeal to the more modern audience. Because I feel maybe Duvall was a bit cautious of how much audiences would be willing to put up with, and I feel she could have trusted them a bit more, and others the audience would have still engaged as much.
0: Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I also think the film kind of makes Harriet really, really eccentric in the, like, she's so, she's got so much energy. And I feel like the film could have kind of toned down on that a bit more in that that energy's not really there in the book. She's much more, like, passively dependent on Emma. And I think if if the film kind of toned it down, that would come across better.
1: Personally, I disagree. I really enjoyed Harriet in the film. She kind of came across as this, like, lost little puppy and uh, Emma was the one guiding her along. And I feel like if they had gone for the more passive approach, it would have kind of brought it more in line with the book in a bad way in terms of the slow pace and the taking ages. Because if Harriet was so passive and submissive to Emma, it would have felt like, again, Emma was the one causing all these scenarios. Even though she was, it would have stowed things down. But with Harriet being this energetic bubble of excitement and hope, it won makes the story progress faster and it kind of makes you feel for a bit more because when you realize oh mr knightley and emma are going to be together who's harry going to be and you kind of feel bad for her because she's been trying to do all this fun stuff this entire time i do have one weird complaint though that weird sand game they were doing i don't know what that was
0: yeah that wasn't in the book i was watching that and i was like hmm this seems a bit out of place and weird I think I do agree then that the bubbliness becomes a foil for Emma in a way in that Emma's very much, you see her roll her eyes and everything and kind of bored with Harriet's energy. And then you've got Harriet kind of running around the shop like, oh, I want this hat, Emma, I want this hat. Like, it makes it much more humorous.
1: And I feel she's a lot like Miss Bates in a way in the film. And they're kind of, they're both bubbly, like they love Emma and Emma's kind of like it kind of she comes across a bit of a douchebag in some regards because she's like oh yes I'm Emma I'm quite full of myself I'm up here you're down there look up on me like I'm some sort of high society fashion queen god
0: definitely like like, Miss Bates is she's so funny and so like pure and everything she says is full of like just light-hearted humor and Emma just kind of sits there and Frank like goes around like oh she wants to know what everyone's thinking and it's just a bit like Emma can you not like chill for a second and have some fun
1: I really enjoyed uh Mrs Bates dialogue in the book I I admittedly I didn't read it word for word because I didn't think you're really supposed to because it was just page after page of her just ranting and talking to herself I, I really loved it and I feel Miranda Hart perfectly adapted that
0: yeah, the Miranda Hart does a really good job of the ramblingness of someone who's just got so many thoughts that you're just you just keep blurting them out. Yeah, Miss Bates mm. is possibly one of the most likable characters in the book and film.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I feel that really helps a lot of the audience and the readers hit home at just how badly Emma messed up when she insulted her.
0: Yeah. You can see it in um Anya Taylor Joy's face, like when she's portraying Emma after when Miss Bates has to be like, what did I do wrong? Like I didn't do anything to her. And Emma's just starting to be like, oh shit. Like I realised that I've, I've placed myself on a pedestal and I need to kind of step off it and be nice to my
1: friends. And it was at that time that I really didn't like Frank because he was kind of goading Emma on and just not being a nice guy.
0: Yeah. There's the scene where in the book where, um, there i can't remember if they were Emma's house or not—but they start like making words, and the Frank's kind of like taking a mockery out of Jane through making the like certain words. And it's from—it's written from Knightley's perspective, and you can tell just how rude Frank is and how rude how he brings out the rudeness in Emma when they're together.
1: While Mister Knightley perfectly like counteract the negative parts of emma and emma counteracts the bad parts of mr knightley uh frank and emma like when you add them together they just add to each other's bad parts
0: yeah they bring out the worst in one another which is mm. why they're not a good pair also like going back to the plot twist of um frank being engaged to jane all along like Frank's such a dick to kind of be with Emma in a way that's clearly more than friends in the book and still, and but know that he's engaged to this Jane that's come to the town and just go along with it. I mean, it's so rude to mess with Emma's feelings like that.
1: I guess in part, Frank's unwillingness to come out was because of his aunt and everything of that. But at the same time, it kind of shows how much of a better person Knightley is because... The main reason Frank didn't openly declare his love for Jane was because if he did, he would lose the inheritance. Mr Knightley gives up his estate to be with Emma and that kind of just shows he is the better person.
0: Yeah. What priorities they've got. In the opposite direction, is there anything that was in the book that wasn't put in the film that you, like, that was in the book that you wish was also in the film?
1: Honestly, no. Or the good bits about the book I liked but in the film and all the boring bits which I've already forgotten in the book aren't in the film and I felt that I-, I was quite happy when I was watching the film like yes they skipped over that one bit and that for me was a dream come true what about you?
0: I think there's one scene in the book that I adored was when um, Frank sends the letter to Emma um, well he sends it to Miss Bates I think or Miss Martin and they give it to Emma and then Emma gives it to Mr Knightley and then Mr Knightley reads it out loud in front of Emma and it's it's the way that he kind of makes these like deriding mocking remarks about Frank in front of Emma and then kind of compliments Emma at the same time and adds to the chemistry between them and that wasn't in the film but I kind of wish it was because it was just a light-hearted scene that kind of built on their relationship
1: Actually yeah that bit would have been quite good to include and I just think especially with the performances given by Mr Knightley and Emma uh, it would have really been a fun watch especially with the whole snipe remark it's kind of one of those things which is written so well you can almost pluck it out the page and just throw it on a screen and it'll work.
0: Yeah but then I guess they kind of replace it with other scenes like the one where and um, they move all the furniture and have that like chemistry with the kids while Mr. Woodhouse is nice and cozy by mm. the fireplace.
1: And I guess that is more cinematic than Mr. Knightley reading a letter, just moving furniture and all this chaos happening, and them at the center of the chaos being in love. Out of the countless, countless, like Jesus Christ, there's so many characters in this book and film, <laughs> who would you say is your favorite?
0: Oh. Um, I, w- I want to be like you know when someone asks you who's your favorite character in Harry Potter, and if you say Harry Potter, then you you're just not a good person. I want to be that one and say that Emma is my favorite character purely because like when I first first read it way back when, I I didn't realize that such a powerful woman could be at the center of a novel, in written at a time when women weren't allowed to be at the centre of novels or be as strong-willed and as determined as Emma is and and like I said like I really like how she can be this superior pretty much a bitch but also at the same time like have that kind of vulnerability to her that comes out when she realises that actually she likes Mr Knightley. Mm,
1: She's definitely got that girl boss energy in a way. I'm not gonna go down the Harry Potter route and I'm gonna probably I'm kind of thrown between harriet and mr woodhouse because they're just such kind loving people they just they're so bubbly i was a bit worried when i first heard that uh, bill nighy was playing mr woodhouse because being the nerd i am all i think when i heard bill knight is uh, davy jones with the woman tentacle chin <laughs> and i was kind of worried am i just going to be picturing a tentacle chin this entire time <laughs> but he, he really brought this kind of wholesome, kind energy to it. And the scene at the end where he gives Emma away, you can really feel the emotion in it. And with Harriet, she's kind of kind of the heart of Emma in a way. And I feel like you can really tell how hurt Emma is when she has to hurt Harriet and tell her the truth about something.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I like Harriet, but I think the one thing I don't like about her is just how much... She goes between men. Like, I know Emma pretty much sets it all up for her. Yeah,
1: strictly speaking, that's technically Emma's fault.
0: Yeah, but, like, Harry, it's like, oh, yeah, I like him. And then it's like, oh, no, I don't like him. I like Mr Elton instead. And then, oh, no, I like Mr Knightley now, which kind of got a bit excessive. Mm,
1: Yeah, I do get what you mean.
0: But, yeah, Mr Woodhouse is literally, like, and, uh, while we were reading, we would literally send screenshots to each other of when Mr Woodhouse was being an actual, like, wholesome being. When, he, when he's like, oh, oh I, I'll make sure there's food out for her and I'll tuck her into bed. And it's just like, oh.
1: And you can also see some of how much Knightley cares for Mr Woodhouse, both in the book and film, like in the book and i guess in the film he says oh but when we're doing the strawberry picking i make sure i've got all my cool stuff out and make sure there's a fire on so mr knightley's nice and warm and then as you said in the film he's like they're always reading books together like a like an old married couple and it's just just so cozy and warm you're watching a hug pretty much
0: (laughs) yeah also mr knightley was always round Mr. Woodhouse's in Emma's estate. Like, I don't think he was ever in his own estate. It was always like, oh, I've got to see Mr. Woodhouse today. i got to see how he is.
1: And I guess that's part of the reason why he was so easy to give up his estate, because he was never in it.
0: Yeah. Wholesome beans.
1: Wholesome beans.
0: Do you want to hear my facts?
1: I would love to hear your facts.
0: Okay, my first one's really sad, and it breaks my heart, that. But- this happened, but um speaking with the news outlet that must not be named the sun i knew taylor joy said um i am the first ugly actress to play emma and i can't do this when revealing she almost quit her starring role on the first day of shooting
1: well, that's so sad and she's, she's definitely a beautiful woman but and hopefully in recent years she's gained the confidence in who she is a bit
0: i hope so because i think I, I couldn't imagine anyone else as Emma now. Like, she plays such a good role that she's almost iconic in it.
1: And at least she hasn't made candles that smell like her vagina, like the other Emma.
0: <laughs> that is a bonus, but we never know. She might someday. Someday. <laughs> and I would buy we it. We can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> Um, My second fact is, um, when Austin began writing her novel, she said, I'm going to take a heroine whom no one but myself will much like. And I think that's really interesting because it's, she set out with the intention that she wanted to create a character in Emma that no one liked. And like I said, like, she's my favourite character in the book.
1: Yeah, I feel with the creation of Emma, she's really kind of like sparked something probably in a lot of people, like the whole girl boss vibes and empowering a lot of people like emma is the center of all these people but it isn't like a, a sexual way it's more like a part respect part i i'm gonna hold my class i know how to rule over you get down and kiss my <laughs> and you joy sized feet and i feel you can there's such huge influence in emma as a book and especially of more modern things like uh, promising young woman and uh, the new Dalmatians movie that's coming out of Emma Stone, uh, Cruella, and more more powerful leading women films are being made.
0: Yeah, I get what you mean. Like, they they're not fitting into this stereotypical mold of a woman that kind of does what the man says and always in the background. I think like like take the example of like Little Women, in that Sosha Ronan brings out the energy and the the pure pure like self-independence of um, her character in the film. And even even if we go to like Marvel, we've got characters like the Valkyrie that are so strong in who they are as women that I think Emma and Jane Austen, when she first wrote it, she kind of anticipated this movement in film and in literature of women being at the centre.
1: Uh, I feel like at the time this was written, with the women's movement being as far back as it was back then, The whole concept of a a woman arguing with a guy as much as Emma did with Mr Knightley and then still winning at the end and getting the guy kind of probably made a lot of people really pissed off being like, they can't talk to us like that. And then a lot of women were like, why can't we? And it just, I think that's kind of a really cool thing about what Emma is as a book and a concept.
0: Yeah, 100%. Like women were told, be in their place and that men ones who control the discourse and who co- control the conversations and Emma completely and utterly goes against that and it was before the feminist movement but I agree in that it pro- people women who read it young women would have thought actually I can go against the dominant ide- ideas of me having to stand back with a man and actually be like Emma I think that's just so powerful to create a role model in literature at a time when women needed a role model
1: mm, she really paved the way
0: yeah so book or film
1: I'm going to say the film and I think that's only because as someone from our time and who hasn't this is the first time experience I've had with a Jane Austen book I feel the film is a lot easier and kinder on people coming into it whereas the book is a lot of admittedly I probably kind of have to admit in some regards quite dated writing and it's a lot of people will struggle to get into it I, I, the only reason I got through it was for this if <laughs> I was I, I wouldn't have read Emma for fun and, but it's the, the film is a lot more enjoyable even if you don't understand what's going on like when my family watched it they had no idea what was going on <laughs> but the colors and the the music and the performances they still presided some aspects that you could enjoy it without having to understand it and I felt it, it, was, it was a lot of a it's a lot kinder of an experience than the book
0: yeah the book. I think and there's there's two aspects for me in that because obviously I'm an English literature student and that side of me is that the book will always have such a special place in my heart especially with it being one of the main books that made me want to go to university to study English literature um, but then if I look at the entertainment side of me like the side that just wants to watch film or want to watch a good period drama film in that way I see that the film is much more like easily accessible in that you I, I could easily re-watch the film like three times four times a week but I wouldn't I wouldn't like quickly go back to re- reading Emma in that I probably wouldn't have reread it if it wasn't for this for a long time unless I was studying it or like if it was for this I think in that way I'd probably choose the film.
1: Mm, there's definitely a lot of you have to respect where it came from, but perhaps embrace where it is now.
0: Yeah, hundred percent.
1: So I guess that takes us to the end of the page, end of the credits, and the end of hopefully our first Jane Austen novel. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, and please feel free to let us know your opinions in the book or film on Twitter at from page to Pick and on Instagram at from page to picture. Join us next time as we cover Gillian Flynn's crime thriller masterpiece *Gone Girl* and its Academy Award-winning film adaptation by David Fincher. Thank you for listening.